Open AI, Open AI CEO Sam Altman is quietly, apparently quietly talking to uh, TMSC, to Samsung, Intel, and a number of other firms about them all creating a consortium chipping in as much as a trillion dollars or more to build new fabs just dedicated to AI and also put in place the infrastructure, including the power to drive all these processes. I mean, he doesn't want to wait till these individual companies shift from microprocessors to AI chips. He wants massive fabrication in the billions, I guess, right now. Hi, Scott. How are you? I am well, Michael. Good to uh, good to talk to you. Well, let's get right into it. Uh, let's get Elon Musk over with. <laughs> Elon has apparently pulled SpaceX out of Delaware, its registration there as a corporation, and he's moving it to Texas. And, it, you know, it sounds like he's just having a tantrum after that Chancery Court judge wouldn't let her let him have that fifty-five billion dollar pay package, but I did a little bit of looking into it, and the Wall Street Journal did a piece on it too, which is other companies are starting to move out of Delaware too, and two of the big ones uh, are the guy who runs TripAdvisor, and the other one is Barry Diller, uh, both of whom apparently have cases that they're not real happy with. Uh, the TripAdvisor guy is trying to get his shareholders to agree. But, um, I mean, Milan's already moved uh, Neuralink to Nevada, and now he's going to move SpaceX to Texas. And those two states are the are the new contenders to be the home of corporations. Uh, Nevada apparently is the number two choice, and Texas is the number three, which is kind of amazing. I mean, you, certain things you think are locked in forever. I mean, as long as I've known anything about business— Corporations register in Delaware. I, th you know, I thought that was carved in stone, but apparently Nevada's making a heck of a run. Offer they're creating their own chancery court. I think Texas is starting is planning to do that too, offering better services. I mean, is this a good thing? Is this was the stability a good thing for registration of corporations, or was some competition to provide better services and faster response times? I mean, I really don't know. I'm 100% unqualified to talk about this. Uh, you know, I mean, covering business, sure. I've known why companies move to Delaware largely for money reasons, but the dollar figures that these companies are seeing these days are just so gigantic that maybe that isn't the big consideration. In Elon Musk's case, it's freedom. It's surrounding yourself with yes men. That's why he does what he does for all of his companies in all of his actions. Um, you know, the Bay Area was too woke, so Tesla moved to Texas. Now Delaware is too, I don't know, rule-abiding, so let's move to Texas or Nevada. The other guys I don't know, um, so I, well, I, I don't very, know, but maybe— Delaware's reputation, I suspect it's the same kind of thing. And that would make sense, too. Uh, and, and so maybe the focus is no longer on saving a few dollars, but rather just being able to do what you want, and isn't that sort of the billionaire credo these days? Yeah. Absolutely. Well, Fortune Magazine says it's going to be harder than it looks, but we'll see. I have a feeling we're going to see a kind of a sea change here where you're going to see a lot more Nevada registrations and maybe Texas registrations on these companies when they go public on the prospectus. We'll see. We can 
kind of take a census of it every six months and see how the is taking place. Okay. Um, you go up to San Francisco all the time. You're always covering stories up there. So I don't tell you, I have to tell you what kind of shape that town is in right now. You know, it's, yeah, it's ugly. Um, you know, hotels are being sold off, office buildings, retail stores are empty. And yet there seems to be an interesting little shift going on right now. And I got to mention, commercial property is kind of falling everywhere. There's been some big buildings in New York that have gone for half the price they were valued at just a few years ago. Well, it turns out that um, Warren Buffett protege, Ian Jacobs, has been quietly buying up San Francisco office buildings. Now, maybe he, he should, the, the idea is he's just buying, a, you know, buying on the cheap and, and we'll flip them, but... Or is he thinking that San Francisco is about to have its finally have its turnaround and these properties are going to get valuable? Do you see any sign San Francisco is turning around at all? Yeah, I mean, there are some reasons for hope. Um, you know, what is the hottest thing in tech right now? It's AI. Where are most of the startups, not to mention bigger companies, headquartering in San Francisco? And they don't have to. They're choosing to. And maybe because of uh, the same reason because some of these office spaces are on the cheap. By the way, you buy office space right now for two reasons. One, yes, like you said, it's less expensive and maybe we'll come back. But also there is a movement now to turn some of that office space, at least, into residential space. Hasn't really been done much on the West Coast out here, but it has in places like Chicago and Boston and New York, very lucratively. And we know that one lucrative thing out here um, is still... But, you know, rent and, and housing, and that has not gone down even as office space has. And, you know, that's a lesson we learned long ago from Warren Buffett. Remember when banks were just thought to be a business that was over, Warren Buffett bought a ton of stock in Wells Fargo, headquartered, by the way, in San Francisco, and he did so and made a ton of money. So that is an idea that um, that could be something that brings San Francisco back, because when it comes to AI and, say, biotech, San Francisco is growing. Everything else right now, it's hurting. But in, in those two areas of tech, it's actually seen some some life right now. I mean, I'm curious why Gen Zs are going to a town that's where the restaurants are all closing and, you know, there's homeless on the streets. Or is there some little enclave south of Market or something where all that stuff is still lively and all these AI kids are moving in there? I mean, San Francisco, I would say it's the crime and the filth that is limited. There are certain parts of the city that get all the attention. Um, I mean, why they do not work just to focus on places like Market Street and clean that stuff up, I don't know, because so much of the city is still beautiful and thriving. I do go up there a lot and sometimes even socially. And there are places where it's packed with young people going out going to dinner, going to shows, going to comedy spots. And and some of them are techies and some of them are visitors. And, um, you know, it's still dangerous to park your car on the street in San Francisco because they have not policed that well enough. But, uh, but there are still some very, very thriving parts of the city. And I would say that's the majority. But it's the parts that really need cleaning up um, that get a lot of attention, and, and deservedly so. They really do need to clean that part up. But if you can get a good job and say AI or biotech or social media or something, you're going to make good money. Uh, you'll be able to afford the rent and you will have a thriving 
um, nightlife with lots of your fellow, I don't know, young single people. There's a lot going on still in the city. Okay, well, then let's continue talking about AI. Uh, as predicted, it started to gobble up white-collar jobs. Uh, by last count, 4,600 jobs were lost in the U.S., mostly in media and tech, uh, with a lot more predicted around the corner. All of it going or due to AI. And it's fairly widespread. A survey also found that 75% of all tech workers now use generative AI at work at least once <laughs> excuse me, once per week. In financial services, it's nearly twice as hot. We've seen 12,000 jobs cut at UPS. Turns out, not the drivers. I kept wondering. I keep seeing a lot of UPS. I haven't seen a, a, a decline in UPS trucks in my neighborhood. Apparently, they were all managed. So AI doing what was predicted would take like 10 years, starting to gut the white-collar jobs inside of these corporations. Uh, so it's coming fast. Interestingly, tech, where we live, media, where the, the, the profession we're in. How can, we, how can we respond to this effectively? I mean, one answer is for young people, learn AI. Uh, but this is going to create a massive dislocation at the pace it's going. What do we do about that? I worry because, remember, originally AI was supposed to be the machines taking over and destroying us all and all that. And it turned out to be much more surgical and insidious. And it is the job concern. And I think my big worry, and this is not the first time we've had this concern with a big tech boom, and that is wage inequality, the haves and have-nots. This week alone, I mean, literally in the last few days, we have seen thousands of layoffs at companies that are really doing well, but are turning their focus to AI. We have seen stock prices of these companies absolutely explode. Look at NVIDIA. Look at a uh, super microcomputer. They're up something like, I don't know, more than a thousand percent this year. This is a San Jose chip company. Look at the recent earnings for applied materials. Chip equipment, the oldest thing in the world. It's super hot. Everyone is into AI. Also this week, the University of Pennsylvania became the first Ivy League school to announce it has an AI major. Expect many, many others to follow. It's all about AI right now, which is great if you're an AI major or already in the AI program at NVIDIA or Supermicro. But if you're not, this is where we're starting to see those problems. It's not just the lower jobs on the ladder. It's the middle class jobs that are being taken. And I don't know how fast it is to get a degree in AI or to even get those skills. But I worry for a lot of tech people right now. And like you say, people in our field that don't have AI skills, because another thing we saw this week is how incredibly advanced some of these AI programs are. OpenAI, based in San Francisco, yeah. releasing its latest graphic stuff, and it looks phenomenal, which is also frightening. Terrifying, yeah, simultaneously. Well, yes. you know, maybe you go three years on your degree in AI and drop out and start a company. I mean, that's what the last two generations ago, that's what Gates did. You know, you, you go to Harvard, give what you can, make the right connections, and go out and start a company. Uh, I think we're going to see a lot of it. I think we're going to get too many people studying how to program AI and 
And where the jobs are going to be created are jobs made possible by AI, the kinds of new companies and the new services that AI is going to create. True. I mean, the last time I can remember seeing stocks in tech companies that do, you know, fairly boring things like make chips or routers is in the dot-com boom. And it was Cisco. And remember how Cisco stock could not be stopped. And that's NVIDIA today. And so you're right. I mean, in these booms of gold rushes, it pays to make the picks and shovels. And isn't that what Levi Strauss said all those years ago, also based in San Francisco. But <laughs> You know, this is really where the action is, is enabling AI right now. Although if you're, you know, sitting on some options in open AI, you're probably also looking at a tremendous financial future. But this is really where the money and the VC funds and all this stuff is going. And so it makes sense that that's where the job growth is and almost everywhere else is shrinking because people are just so laser focused on AI right now. Remember a couple of years ago, we were talking about What's going to be the next big thing? We couldn't see it out there on the horizon. Well, here's for historians, this is how it happens. It happens so fast. It's something you just sort of hear about at a cocktail party. And six months later, you're living in that new reality. And I, AI is everywhere now. As long as we're on picks and shovels and chat, um, open, AI, open AI CEO Sam Altman is quietly, apparently quietly talking to uh TMSC to Samsung, Intel, and a number of other firms about them all creating a consortium chipping in as much as a trillion dollars or more to build new fabs just dedicated to AI and also put in place the infrastructure, including the power to drive all these processes. I and mean, he doesn't want to wait till these individual companies shift from my processors to AI chips. He wants massive fabrication in the billions, I guess, right now of chips. Yeah. I mean, you know, what Sam Altman is talking about in the trillions of dollars uh, makes the CHIPS Act <laughs> that the Biden administration put into place seem like chicken feet. I mean, it's amazing how fast and how much he wants to do. And, and you can see with all these chip companies coming together, why the earnings outlook and the future outlook for a chip equipment maker like Applied Materials is so strong. I mean, wow, all of a sudden chip guys are front and center. Um, and you can see why a company like NVIDIA is is selling out of everything right away and, and can't even make things fast enough for its customers. This is- When a $3 trillion company is experiencing explosive growth, you got to kind of stand tall and take off your hat. I mean, that's quite an achievement. Yeah, uh, some of the growth in, in the chip business is extraordinary, given that we just haven't seen that in decades. And all of a sudden, these companies that did fine and were sort of commoditized are now the bells of the ball again. And uh, it's it's fun to see. I mean, you know, for example, in, in my neighborhood, we don't have rich people living there. And there were always a lot of people who worked for chip companies. And all of a sudden, they're like, I think we're going to have to move, <laughs> you know, because all this money is suddenly rushing in. And it's like, wow, uh, that's impressive. You know, a few years before he died, I was talking to Gordon Moore. And uh, he said, I said, how long do you think your law is going to last? And he says, oh, it's got to top out sometime real soon. Well, Gordon, wherever you are up there, is going to keep going, looks like, for at least another generation. 
uh, the world that's going to be created by this is going to be utterly unrecognizable to us today. And you can already you can already feel the ground shaking beneath our feet. So, okay, uh, switch to something else. Consumer prices rose in January, uh, and not coincidentally, consumer sales dropped a little bit. So inflation seems to be rising from the dead again. Uh, what is in the markets fell on that information? Uh, Nasdaq fell nearly two percent. What do you think the Fed's going to do now? I mean, I think the Fed is still poised to cut interest rates, but I disagree. Inflation didn't rise from the dead. It wasn't dead. It still hasn't gotten down to anywhere in that 2% range. And so it climbs a bit, but it's still around 3%, which means it has been tamed much more so than earlier, but it's still not where the Fed wants. And now the Fed is in a bit of a bind. Does it raise again, even after you know seeming to put the kibosh on the interest rate hikes? Uh, it did seem to indicate that it will put off interest rate cuts for a bit, but that it still plans several cuts in the near future. And so I think it's just time to be patient. You know, you say the market went down, yes, but the next day it went up. And to try to figure the Fed or inflation day by day seems to be a fool's errand. It's like day trading. You never really know where these things are going to go long term. But I think the Fed is still poised to cut. I think it just wants to wait until it sees a two-handle instead of a three- or a four-handle. Okay. Uh, you and I talked, I think, last week that the feds have another tool in their toolbox, which is quantitative easing. Is there any indication that they're cutting the money supply or anything like that? I haven't seen any stories on that. I haven't either. Um, and that would be an interesting way to cut back after. I mean, so much of the inflation, I think, was caused by so much money being pumped into the system during the, you know, the lockdown of the pandemic and everything. So I, I haven't heard anything about quantitative easing. Easing that QE uh, takes me back several years to like uh, what 2008, 2009. I, I haven't heard that in play in a while. Okay, finally, two products from two of the world's most famous tech companies. First one, Microsoft, that new uh, artificial intelligence assistant called Copilot. Well, they put a bunch of them out to testers out there and companies all over the world. And the reports coming back, they don't like it. <laughs> Apparently, it doesn't work very well. It makes a lot of mistakes. And uh, Microsoft may have to go back to the drawing board a little bit on that one, uh, which is going to cost them a whole lot of money. So first, first negative news about using AI that I've heard. Uh, so I, I don't know if that's an augury of the future or just Microsoft blew it, uh, but we'll see. Second, and you know this story because it's popping up everywhere, Apple's new Vision Pro, 3500 bucks. We talked about it and predicted, I mean, I've seen pictures of what the experience is like. It's pretty amazing, you know, You're it's like something out of Star Trek. Well, apparently, my, my eldest son saw a guy walking in downtown San Jose, crossing the street, wearing a Vision Pro goggles and doing this in front of a moving screens. Well, now the reports are coming out. Uh, I think it was 200,000 of these uh, were ordered on the when it was announced. And now people are actually using it. And they're getting enormous numbers of complaints. Apparently, it's pretty heavy. So you end up with neck strain. 
but also the experience of looking through the thing causes nausea, migraines, headaches, regular headaches, and motion sickness. And people who even love the product are taking advantage of that 14-day return policy at Apple to send the things back. And I know the the the, the blogger James Lillick said, this is one of those products you really want to have, but you stop and think, well, what I really want to have is Apple's follow-up product to this, which will be a lot lighter and more powerful. What do you think? I mean, is 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 the are the goggles a bust, or are they just they're going to have to you know work on this one just like Microsoft and, and perfect the product and and really do a big rollout next time around a year from now? Yeah, that may happen. I mean, first, just to address Microsoft, everybody I know is using AI. I almost yeah. never hear about people using that button or that feature of Microsoft. Everybody knows Microsoft is heavily invested in OpenAI. It's got its own thing going. They're using Bing search again, for goodness sakes. But Microsoft, every time it seems it strays away from software and tries to make an actual product other than Xbox, it somehow screws up. Microsoft will do fine in AI. It just needs to stick to what it does best. Find the talented people like Sam Altman and OpenAI and just let the software do its thing. As for Apple, that's a little more of a surprise. Apple rarely has a lot of complaints. I mean, you know, its, it's products are so everywhere. You're going to have complaints about iPhones and iPads, et cetera. But this sort of thing where it's like Apple caused me to be ill, <laughs> that's kind of a rare headline. Um, and so I think this is endemic of two things. One, um, we may not as a society be meant to surf the internet with stuff on our head or play video games with things on our head. You, I've tried many of these things. They're kind of heavy. They're kind of bulky. They feel a little strange. I haven't gotten nauseous from them, but some people do. I have felt some strain after a while, um, which I don't feel normally playing a video game or watching a movie or working on a computer. Um, and so these things are just, I think, biologically something we just as a society, as a species are not used to. And that means you're going to have these sort of, I don't know, symptoms that fall out. Um, Apple will improve this, I'm sure, in version 2 or version 1.1 or whatever they're going to call this. But uh, it is interesting that we're asking people to spend this much money for round one of what is essentially, let's be honest, kind of a beta thing for our species that we're trying and we're not sure if we're meant to use yet. Pay 3500 bucks to be a lab animal. Kind of. And if you were talking about the Samsung version or the Meta slash Oculus version, it would be much less. And people I know don't feel so bad about using it every once in a while and knowing it's going to be in the drawer every once in a while. That's okay if you spend 350 bucks. If you spend $4,000, you're going to need a little more bang for that, that buck. And, and I'm not sure that people are going to be able to use these things quite that often just yet. Well, some observers have suggested that the second problem, besides the physiological one, is there's no killer app for this. That Apple typically, look at the Macintosh. It was it was desktop publishing that broke it through. With the with the watch, it, it became the, the kitchen sink product when, when Cook announced it. Like, we can do this and this and this and this and this. But there was nothing in there that said, no. This is the this is the one you want, folks, because it does this. And they finally found it by putting everything on the screen and bio, you know, measurement and that sort of thing. 
This one doesn't have that killer app yet. And I can, you, you got to assume they're, they're getting this thing out there and seeing what people actually use it for. And then the second generation, along with improving the ergonomics of it, will be the one to get. But they're gonna. I, I have a feeling they're gonna eat millions, maybe billions, before they get that second follow-up goggles. Maybe so. I do agree with you that there is no killer app for this yet, except the killer app was supposed to be, and this also was Mark Zuckerberg's version of vision. Excuse me for the metaverse with those goggles. The killer app being this is the new platform where we do what we used to do on our smaller screens, but we now do it in an immersive world. And maybe that's not killer enough for us, either because we have to wear something on our head uh, or because we can do this much easier by just reaching for a phone or an iPad or something like that. Um, and, you know, maybe it's just not where we need to go yet. And, and until we figure out, you're right, that new, new thing that makes us want to put something on our heads. I, I just don't see it, you know, catching on all that much yet. Well, we'll revisit this next year when they have their next announcement. Okay, that's that's it for now, folks. You can find us on Spotify, Anchor, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, and, of course, YouTube. You can see Scott on Facebook and X, and, of course, almost every weeknight on NBC Bay Area. And me occasionally, almost everywhere in the world, on BBC World Radio show Business Matters. Have a great weekend. We'll see you next week. Bye-bye. See you, Scott. 